apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on the first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Rich, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And the Lamar Jackson saga continues. Uh, on Monday, he tweeted that he, he said on March 2nd that he wanted out of Baltimore. That was five days uh, before he signed. He, he the, the, Panther, the, uh, the Ravens placed the uh, slap the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. So uh, right now, he, is, he wants out of uh, Baltimore. And I think the big question to start is what is the difference between this and him getting the franchise tag? In, in, in at the beginning of the month. And I think the difference is now it's public. Now it's public that Lamar Jackson wants out of Baltimore. It's public that, that, that he wants out. So teams now know, okay, it's not just, oh, the Ravens, him and the Ravens can't get a deal done. It's he doesn't want to play for the Ravens now. So it, I think things definitely changed on Monday. And I, and, and I thought Lamar's, day, uh, Lamar's days uh, as a Raven were done anyway. I thought he was gone. I didn't think he was going to be a Raven anyway. Though his future with the Ravens was over, but now this proves this proves it. This proves that he is not going to be he is not going to be a Raven. This 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 definitely proves it. And yeah, yeah. The the big question for Justin, what what, what for you is is this different from what happened on on, on March seventh when he signed the franchise tag when he, when he uh, slapped when the Ravens slapped the franchise tag on him? No, not really. Because I think yeah, like I was like you, I you know kind of. And you're thinking of, yeah, I don't, I think he was done with Baltimore. I, I think he was kind of, you know, didn't like what they were offering him. It kind of felt like both turn, both sides here were 
you know, yeah, and the team like they really haven't agreed on a, a contract, obviously. And I don't think he's happy about what the offers they gave him. So it just seems like the relationship's been broken. And yeah, so I'm not I, you know, when I saw the news about that on March, you know, that he asked for their trade on March 2nd, I wasn't really that surprised because I kind of figured too, he's probably played his last snap in Baltimore. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think he's definitely played his last step in Baltimore. I think he's just fed up. And he even tweeted today. I mean, it, you saw his tweet. I think it was a little bit selfish. Not, not you know, saying he wanted to be 100% to play in that playoff game. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's over. I think the whole relationship between him and the Ravens is over. And let's be honest, I think the Ravens completely dropped the ball here. I think they completely dropped the ball. I think they have the best quarterback in their franchise's history. And they, did, they chose not to pay him. And now the Ravens look like they're going to have to go out and get a quarterback because I because it's pretty obvious that Lamar's days with the Ravens are coming to an end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've talked about it. The, the differences that when Lamar's been on the field and when he's been off and how the offense has really struggled without him. Yeah, you know, they've they, you know, made, you know, definitely a mistake there. And, you know, he wasn't Lamar hasn't been happy with the way, you know, that they've offered him, you know, the, the amount of money that it sounds like, the, you know, the guaranteed is money that they've offered Lamar. He doesn't sound like he's been too happy with it with. So yeah, it's definitely something where, um, yeah, Baltimore really, you know, messed up. And yeah, again, we saw the quarterbacks, they, they get, they got behind Lamar and it's not good. And they're going to have to, cause yeah, that, again, more than likely Lamar's not going to be on the team or he's not playing if they can't find a trade partner. So, you know, they're going to have to find some of that quarterback because the other guys that they got behind them are not the, not the, not the, um, or not the right guys right now. Uh, no, 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 absolutely not. And it's yeah, it's it's a real issue for the Ravens. And but now the question is with Lamar, he, teams have been able to offer him. He's been able. The team's been able to offer him a contract for the last two weeks. Now the thing is with the with the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag, a team can offer him a contract. And if the Ravens don't match it, they they would get the player, but they'd have to give up two first round picks. But he really has not gotten an offer sheet from any team. You've heard from the Falcons that there's that there's no interest from the Falcons. You've heard from the Commanders that there's no interest with the Commanders. What is the? I think the 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 question really is is what's the biggest reason for why there is lack of interest for Lamar Jackson? And in my opinion, yes, the injury has the injury history the last two years is big. He's missed eleven games over the last two seasons. But I think the biggest reason is 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 the rumors that he wants a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson. And I think that the, the, the owners don't want to do that. They do not want to give another quarterback a fully guaranteed deal because then you're going to get a league where players are going to start to run the league. Players are going to start and they they don't the NFL owners don't want it to become the NBA where players start running the league. So I think that's the biggest reason cuz so for for example, say you give Lamar fully guaranteed money, you, you know Joe Burrow's definitely getting fully guaranteed money and then you know Jalen Hurts is getting fully guaranteed money because those are right now those are better quarterbacks than Lamar Jackson's you know those guys are definitely getting fully guaranteed money and then you could very easily see Justin Herbert getting fully guaranteed money so I think that's the biggest the biggest reason for me why he, there, there has not been a, 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 there has not been a ton of interest is the fully guaranteed money but Justin what do you think why do you think there hasn't been a ton of interest yeah, I'm with you too. And then we talked about it with Watson a couple of weeks ago. They, again, him getting the fully guaranteed contract with everything that happened to him that last offseason reset the market in a bad way. Cleveland, you know, cannot did not make a lot of owners happy because I'm with you. They don't want to fully guarantee these quarterbacks. And, you know, it's the owners and the front offices that want to kind of reset this market and want to kind of, you know, have some leverage. And yeah, you know, you give Lamar the fully guaranteed contract, every quarterback's going to want it now. And, yeah, that's going to create a big problem. That's, I think, part of, you know, 
yeah, and it, it would turn in the NBA. So I'm right there with you. I just don't think they want to, you know, not too many teams are going, you know, want to hand him a guaranteed contract. And yeah, you know, with that injury concern too, you know, he missed a couple games each season. You know, it's it, it's tough. So yeah, I'm with you. It's the guaranteed contracts that I think are kind of really hampering this thing right now for Lamar. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really came down, it comes down to two things, the injuries and a fully guaranteed deal. And and, and, and the fully the injuries are definitely the second reason why he's not getting, he's, there isn't a ton of interest. But I think obviously the fully, I think the fully guaranteed contract he wants, I think that's the biggest. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I just, I the owners want to reset this market. They don't want, as you mentioned, they don't want the players to run this thing. They, you know, it's a problem, I think, in the NBA a little bit right now with, with, with the players, you know, kind of running the whole league and all that. And, you know, that's a different conversation for a different day. But, yeah, I, the owners don't want that. They want to have some control. The front office wants some control. And it's just, yeah, it's just for, for Lamar. Yeah, you know, again, he's he's better than Watson. You know, I could see why he wants a fully guaranteed contract. But, yeah, there's not many suitors out there that there's right now not many suitors that, yeah, that want to hand them the fully guaranteed contract. And I completely see why. Oh, absolutely. 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 So now the big question is where, what's Lamar Jackson doing in week one next year? Uh, there's, there's pretty much three, 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 three possible things he'll be doing. Uh, number one, he's, he's, uh, he, he's holding out. He's holding out. He's not, nobody signs him and he's holding out. Number two, he's starting for a number, another team. And number three, he's, he's, the, the, him and the Ravens figure things out and he's starting for the Ravens. I think it's the second one. I think he's starting for another team. I think he's starting for another team because I think, as we said earlier, I think the relationship is done between him and the Ravens. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's number two. I think at some point they will find a trade. You know, somebody will give Lamar maybe close to what he's offered because I think at some point, if you really just want to play with the Ravens, but if another team gives him something maybe close to what he wants, he'd take it. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I, think he's done in Baltimore I think the Ravens will find a way to trade him and another team would give Lamar um what he want or close enough to what he wants and, and kind of play for him uh, yeah 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 and and the big and the last question is what team do you think Lamar will be playing ne- with next year and I think it's pretty obvious I think it's gonna be the Indianapolis Colts I think it's gonna be the Indianapolis Colts because because the the Colts they can give the I, I know there's there's uh, number one Realistically, it seems like it's the only team that has interest right now, and they got the Colts give them a really, really good package. The Colts could give the 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 Colts could give the Ravens the number four pick, and then if you're a team like the Colts and you looked at Will Levis's pro day, which was up and down, you looked at Anthony Richardson's pro day. We look at Anthony Richardson, who's a project. You're not going to get. It looks like you're not going to get Stroud or Young, the two sure things in this draft. Do you want something that you're hoping is a franchise quarterback, or do you want something that you know is a franchise quarterback after having? I think six different starting, I think seven different starting quarterbacks uh, start in week one, seven different starters in week one. It's been quarter, it's been quarterback roulette for the Colts. I mean, ever, since Andrew Luck retired with Jacoby Brissett, with, uh, with, with Phillip Rivers, with Carson Wentz. And then last year with Matt Ryan, it's been quarterback roulette. Lamar gives you stability at the position. So that's why I think he ends up, I think he is starting for the Indianapolis Colts in week one. Justin, what team do you think he's starting for in week one? Yeah, I agree. You know, Jim Mercy, I think, said, too, that, you know, he's not afraid to kind of spend the money. Yeah, I think they're one of the few teams that have the compensation that could give something up for the, um, you know, um, for Lamar. So I, I think, yeah, the Colts make the most, especially in that division where, again, Jacksonville looks like they're starting to get some momentum. The Titans, 
they're a good team. You know, Mike Vrabel, as long as he's there coaching, you know, Titans are be competitive, but it's not a great roster. The Texans are in full rebuild mode. You know, like it, it, you know, second place is up for grabs, even first, you know, and they can even get first place. You had a guy like Lamar Jackson. So absolutely. Um, I, I think the Colts make the most sense. And yeah, as you mentioned, it's been quarterback roulette. They just haven't found the answer. And yeah, I'm with you. I'm not. I know I see the upside with Levis and Richardson, but yeah, do you really want to make that take that risk yet again and not have it pan out? And you know, where you could be going up against Stroud and Bryce Young in your own division in a couple of years, maybe they do turn out to be the next great quarterback, you know. So yeah, I think for the Ra- or for the Colts, I think that makes the most sense. To, you know, they make the most sense right now. And if they get Lamar, they're 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 a top team in the uh, they're not a top team in the AFC, but they're competing with the Jaguars for that division. I mean, you put Lamar with Jonathan Taylor with Michael Pippen. I know the Colts roster isn't as good because Nandakwe is a free agent. Uh, Stephon Gilmore went to the Cowboys. Uh, Okereke he went to the Giants. So their roster isn't as good as it's been the last couple of years. But still, the roster is good enough to get to the playoffs. They're they're good definitely good enough to compete in the South and be a wild card team if they have Lamar Jackson. Yeah, they absolutely would. I think they'd be right there. You know, the the you know the AFC is so you know tough right now. There's so many great teams in that that league that, and so many great quarterbacks that, yeah, maybe tough to kind of break through. But yeah, I think with Lamar Jackson in Indianapolis, they have a chance to do that. So yeah, absolutely. I think the Colts could be right there, um, kind of trying to battle with the Chiefs, the Bengals, and you know the other top teams in that in that league to um, you know to try to make a Super Bowl run. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what we'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson. But there were some rumors. Meek Mill texted Bob Kraft this week saying that Lamar wanted to be a Patriot. And if you're the Patriots, you you know Mac Jones has been up and down his first two years in the league. Do you take that chance? Do you take that chance? Trade for Lamar Jackson? It's just like what I was saying with the Colts. With Mac Jones still in year three, you're hoping he's your guy going forward. But with Lamar, you would know he's your guy going forward. And forward, if you're the Patriots, you got the 14th pick in Mac Jones. Do you just trade the Do you just trade the 14th pick in Mac Jones for Lamar Jackson to get yourself that guy that can get you back to competing for Super Bowls to get you back to be, back to competing for championships like you were with Tom Brady? You know it's tough, and I think because I know that was brought up, you know, a couple weeks ago. There, you know. WI was kind of bringing that up. Would would you trade Mac Jones to go get Lamar Jackson? I've kind of been back and forth on the last couple of weeks. You know, I kind of want to say, I want to kind of see what Mac Jones could do. You just brought back Bill O'Brien. You know, I I know the offseason hasn't been great for the Patriots. Um, you know, I I because I think Mac Jones could be a really good quarterback. And again, I just don't see the Patriots ever paying Lamar Jackson what he wants. Like you didn't pay Tom Brady for all those years. Now you can get to Lamar Jackson. Like that's where I kind of said, no, I would stick with Matt. I just, I kind of feel like you're kind of disrespecting Brady. Like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll pay Lamar, but yeah, you know, all those years, you know, 20 years you spent with us. Yeah. We're going to kind of penny pinch pinch you. So I, you know, I could see why Pager fan want him. You know, I would love to have him, but I want to see what Mac has. I kind of feel, and I kind of feel like it'll be a little bit disrespectful to Brady. I don't know. That was kind of my I, th- take on I think you gotta you gotta go get him. If if he wants to be here, go get him. He's clearly an upgrade over Mac Jones. I know Mac Jones has a chance to be a franchise quarterback, but Lamar Jackson is clearly an upgrade over Mac Jones. So listen, if you're in the Patriots, give up that first round pick, uh, trade Mac Jones and get Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson puts you in that conversation in the AFC East. He puts you in with that, with the, and the Patriots have a pretty good defense. I know their skill guys aren't great. 
but they, they, they got a pretty good defense. He puts you in that conversation for the next five to 10 years uh, in the AFC. So if I'm the Patriots, I'm definitely trading. If he wants to play for the for, for, for my team, if he wants to play for the Pats, I'm definitely trading for him. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, he's a top talent. You know, he's one of the better quarterbacks, you know, in the league right now. Yeah, like I would do. I just don't see the Patriots ever paying his contract. What he wants, I just don't. That's that's the big issue. I don't see Bill paying what Lamar Jackson wants, and I don't think that's why. Yeah, I would do. You know, I you know it, it would be great for the Patriots to do it. Yes, it would put us right back in the playoff contention. I just do not see the idea of Bill Belichick paying that contract. I just don't, and I I think that's why now because it doesn't sound like we're on a DeAndre Hopkins, and I think that's why because he's gonna he's due to get paid. And I don't think Bill wants to give, you know, wide receiver that type of money, you know, for what Hopkins is probably be looking for. So, yeah, I just I don't see the Patriots ever paying what Lamar wants. That's that's the issue. Yeah. And I think that's sad. I think it's sad. They don't want to go out and spend for even. Yeah. Even DeAndre Hopkins. They don't want to try to even if they want Mac Jones to be their guy. Why wouldn't they help him out and trade for uh, DeAndre Hopkins? And then they wouldn't want to upgrade with Lamar Jackson. I just don't get that. I don't get that at all. I don't get the way I don't get. Oh, I don't get how this team has been doing business the last couple of years. I just don't get it at all. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, it's again uh, it's what I said a couple of weeks ago. I, every all of my other sport teams are doing well right now, so I'm kind of <laughs> the Patriots. I'll worry about the Patriots during the summer. I'm, oh, okay, okay. You know, okay, UConn's okay. doing well. Yankees about to start. Rangers, Kings gonna be starting the playoffs soon. So, you know, all my other teams are doing well. So I just you know I, I'll I'll be you know I'll worry about the pa- Patriots a couple months. Yeah, but we we're going to continue to talk about them for a little bit yeah, because yeah. of Bill Belichick's comments on Monday when Mike Reese asked him why should the fans be optimistic about the season, and he gave a very, very he gave a very vague response to it, saying, "Oh, the last twenty five years, I, I didn't like that response, and neither did former players, especially Teddy Bruschi. He was not happy at all about that response because back when he played, the past didn't matter. The past didn't matter. It's it's exa- it's what have you done for me lately." I think that is a. I think Bill Belichick is sending a bad message to this team that talking about the past. That's not the message that was sent back when they were winning championships. I, I, I don't like the direction of this team. I can't stand the comments. I mean, if you're asked that question, oh, how why should they be optimistic? Talk about how good your defense is. Talk about the addition of Bill O'Brien and how he's going to make that offense better. Or talk about you know the additions of Juju, Juju and Gasecki and how they're going to make the offense better. Don't just say, oh, the last 25 years. I think that rubbed the fan base the wrong way, and I and I think it's rubbing former players the wrong way, and I think I think this organization is going in the wrong direction. Yeah, it did kind of rub me a little bit the wrong way. Yeah, like you know, yeah, because it's again, you know, this you know every you know Patriots are so beloved up there. It's everybody wants to, um, you know, everyone wants to seem to be back as a contender. You know, they really have not been. I know they made the playoffs. You know, and um you know, 2021 and, you know, absolutely got blasted by the, you know, by the bills, but yeah, you know, bills with its comments and kind of, you know, be optimistic and all that. It's like, okay, you know, where, what moves, you know, like, like what, like, I don't like, I never understood the Juju one. Like, why don't you just pay Jacoby Myers? You got the same thing as Juju. I think Myers is better than, than Smith juicer. Right. And I think Mac Jones has a better, um, uh, chemistry with with Myers. that's a good that's a good point. Better chemistry. I think Juju's a better player, but Mac Jones has a better chemistry, and Juju isn't that much better for you to 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 yeah. uh, get rid of Myers to to sign Juju. Yeah, that's like that signing made no sense. So yeah, I'm kind of like at the point where, okay, Bill, like I I trust kind of what you're 
you know, I, I still trust them, but it's like at some point, yeah, you do have to kind of show me something, you know, the high, I was kind of hoping Hopkins, but you know, part of me kind of felt like that was never going to happen. You know, the Lamar thing, like, yeah, you know, Meek Mill want, you know, says, yeah, Lamar wants to be here. They ain't going to, they're not trading for, like, they're not going to trade for Lamar. So my thing is, it's, I'm just, you know, like you, you, you got to bring in a big piece here. Who is that going to be? Cause yeah, you do need a number one skilled broad receiver. Again, we'll, we'll kind of see the draft and kind of, you know, do they maybe trade around? Cause they have done that in the past, you know, Bill's kind of famous for it, but you know, we'll see. It's definitely, yeah, the fan base is, there's definitely a lot of frustration there. There's gotta be, there's gotta be. And yes, this off season was a little bit better than last off season, but that's not saying much because last off season, all they did was get, was get Devonte Parker. That was it. They haven't, I, I thought they had to make two to be contenders in the AFC East and in the AFC. I think they had to make one or two moves this off season. Go out and get DeAndre Hopkins, which it doesn't look like they're going to do, or sign Orlando Brown. And they didn't do any of that. They needed to upgrade at the receiver position, and they need to upgrade at, t- at tackle to help Mac Jones. To help if Mac Jones is going to be your guy, to, to you know, to have a guy who can protect his blind side, because Trent Brown clearly didn't do that last year. So I, they didn't do either of these things. So right now, looking at it, say Rodgers goes to the Jets and Rodgers plays with the Jets, I think this team is a is a is, is clearly the worst team in the AFC East. Right now, yeah, when this Rodgers deal comes done, I, I I think we probably are. You know, the way things I, you know, I think the way things are structured in this division, yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, it's going to be tough to get out of the basement. Yeah, I think, you know, we could beat the Jets, but it's not going to be easy. I, I think, you know, right now, yeah, we're probably like a seven, maybe eight win team, maybe if we get lucky. But Vegas's you know, line is seven and a half, and I'm taking the under. You are, yeah, that, that that's close. I think around seven or eight. We'll see what happens with the draft and all that. You know what they do. I, I hope they go out and get a Juj, uh, they got Jerry Judy type. But uh, you know, we'll see. I just, yeah, you know, I I like Mac. You know, you know this we talked about. It. I like Mac. I think he can be our franchise quarterback. But yeah, they just haven't done much to help him out. And, and at some point, Max, you know, you saw the outburst from him last year. Like you know, he's a guy that. I don't think he's totally happy with things going on. I think it's great that Bill O'Brien's coming back, but does it really, you know, like, but how much more talent, you know, we got to put more talent around him to help him out on the field. Cause again, Bill O'Brien can only do so much and that's kind of the issue. So yeah, you know, I wonder Orlando Brown too. That wasn't perfect. Yeah. I can't stand Trent Brown. You know, he was not, you know, he's a penalty machine and, you know, he's very frustrating at times. So yeah, it would have been nice to get another tackle. Um, but yeah, this, this team's gotta, this team's gotta try to do something to get out of the basement or just, or try to avoid being in the basement in the AFC East. Oh, absolutely. 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 Hey, they definitely have to, they have to, they have to, they have to, they have, they have to have a really good draft for this team to make, to, to stay, avoid being in the basement in the AFC East. But we got one of our teams in the final four, but before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG financial and Shamrock home inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices 
as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. Alrighty, so for the first time in nine years, we got the UConn Huskies in the Final Four. Uh, they'll play. They'll face. They'll be the, the second game on uh, Saturday night. They'll face the Miami Hurricanes, who have been playing really well too. They've scored over eighty points in, in their last three games. This should be a really good game between these two teams. This is probably going to be UConn's toughest game in this tournament. Uh, I, I think this is going to be their toughest game. So the big thing is is the three keys. The, the the three things they need to do to win this game, the three biggest th- keys, the biggest three biggest things they need to do to win this game. And Justin, I'll start with you. What are the three biggest things UConn has to do to advance to the Monday Night Final? Number one for me is get the ball down low to Sonogo and Klingon. Now, Jim Laranaga is a great coach, and I and again they don't have the size down low. They have Omar, um, the chair mirror. Oh, I can't. But um, you know, big guy down low, six foot seven, Arkansas State transfer. He's been um. No Chad O'Meara. Really good. O'Meara, yeah. No Chad O'Meara. Um, but, yeah, so I feel like, you know, that Jim Laranagh is going to play this, like, kind of how Marquette did in the Big E semifinals. They're going to want you kind of shoot, and they're going to try to, you know, you know, let kind of let, let them kind of shoot from beyond the perimeter if they're not hitting their shots. And because that kind of minimized Sonogo and Klingon a lot in that, that semifinal against Marquette. So for UConn, just force it down low. They don't have the side. And behind Omir, um, they don't they don't have much. They don't they don't, they're not a very deep team whatsoever. So, you know, get no don't try to Omir, you know, in some foul trouble. And um, you know, you, you you'll be in some, you'll be in really good shape, I feel like, in that game. Um number two for for UConn is the defense. The defense has been playing well, but the thing is Miami loves to attack the basket and get to the, and they do again, they do a heck of a job getting the free throw line and making them. You know, um, you know, that's kind of how they came back and beat Texas. You know, they, they, you know, tw- they're 28 for 32 on Sunday. They, you know, they're 12th in the country in their free throw, you know, percentage wise. So they get to the line, they hit their shots and their man, man defense, you know, can't have any dumb fouls. Um, I hope Jackson's on Jordan Miller, but then the thing is who do you put Carabin on? So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting how, you know, how Hurley kind of matches up here defensively because they got some really good guard play that the hurricanes do um, with long pack, you know, Jordan Miller has been playing outstanding and um, 
You know, number three for me, is, it's late game execution. Miami's played in a couple of close games this tournament. They've come back in a couple of games. And again, UConn's blown out every single team. And they we saw what happened the last time they were in a close yeah. game at Madison Square Garden. Hurley did not call a timeout when he definitely no. should have. Yeah, he definitely should have. And again, that's a little bit of worry because, again, this Miami team knows how to win a close game. You know, they've done a couple times this tournament. UConn hasn't played in one in a while, you know, and yeah, sometimes I think Curly in a tight spot tends to panic a bit. And, you know, and that that's kind of the issue is kind of late in this game. You know, Hawkins has got to hit a shot. Sonogo's got to, you know, um, hit a shot. You know, this this Miami team, just they've been battle tested. They can't, you know, they were down, what, 10 or 11 against Drake in the final five minutes. I don't know, scored them like 16 to two to finish that game. Like this team knows how to close out games. This team doesn't go away. I think this is going to be a close game. I just think it is. And you're going to have to find a way to win it late. And the late game execution to be huge because Miami's got a bunch of guys that know how to do it. And for us at times late in games, we just haven't hit that big shot. Why Miami? And they don't miss. They have not missed this, this tournament. They just, they hit every shot when they need it. And that's the problem. I just feel like this Miami team's not going to go away. You're going to have to go find a way to win this thing close. And I don't have a ton of confidence in it, but I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, I think my keys are is first, Hawkins has to stay hot. He's been, he was great against Arkansas. He got to a little bit of a slow start against Gonzaga, but he's he was hot, red hot in the second half. Hawkins has got to stay hot. And I said it before the tournament. If Hawkins and Sonogo are hot, UConn's not going to get beat. So, and that leads me to my second key. Keep feeding Sonogo. And this is a huge Sonogo game because they're not, I don't think they're going to be able to cover Sonogo. I think Sonogo's going to have a big game. The worst game he had was a was, uh, – it was against Gonzaga, but even he almost, even though he almost had a triple double, he was able yeah. to pass the, he was able to pass the ball out of That's... double teams, which I really, really liked. He was able to do, but I think in this game he's going to have a big game scoring. I think he's going to score over twenty points. I think, I think they, if they feed him a lot, they're going to be, they're going to be in good shape. And then I know this is easier said than said than done. Contain Miller, Pack, and Wong. They've been they, in the last three games. They've been over. They've all scored over double digits, and the, as a result of that, the team Miami's averaged eighty-seven points in their last three wins against good teams: against Indiana, against Houston, against Texas. Those are three really good teams. They've averaged over eighty points a game against. So I think they got to contain those three players. And uh, if they do that, if they do all those things, there is no doubt in my mind that they're going to be playing in the finals on Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. I like the Hawkins one. Yeah, Hawkins has got to say hot. He's been good. Again, I liked how Saturday night, as you mentioned, he got up to Slosar. I loved how he attacked the basket. That's what he's got to keep doing. Just attack the basket, get fouled, uh, finish layups. I, I like how he's doing that because that gives him a different element. That's huge. Yeah, the Sonoga one, he's been really good. Yeah, the passing-wise, he was great Saturday night. And again, that's something, too, with Jackson. If they kind of play like Timmy did on Saturday night against um, Jackson, Jackson's got to continue to cut try to find an open spot where Sonogo could find him for an easy dunk. That will be a layup or dunk, a layup and dunk every single time. Um, that That's going to be huge. I don't know. It'll be interesting how Laird Nega plays that one. And then, yeah, containing Wong, Pack, and um, Miller, that's that's huge. This team, yeah, they, they carved up Houston's defense like nobody really has all year. Um, and, that, and that Houston defense is unbelievable. They did whatever they wanted. They hit a shot whenever they had to. Again, they just score in so many different ways. They only hit two threes on Sunday, but they got to the line. They got to the rim. And again, on Friday night against Houston, they hit 11 threes. They shot 44%. So, yeah, they, this team could score from anywhere. And, yeah, those three of just, you know, trying to contain them will be huge because they don't have much depth at all. No, I've seen their bench points. They're, like, averaging, like, five points a game. They're not averaging much points a game off the bench. So, yeah, they can contain those guys. 
and uh, the Hawkins and Sonogo play well, there's there's no way UConn's not playing Monday. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It, it, yeah, they continue to play like the way they're doing. You know, Sonogo and Hawkins yeah, are just just play well. One other guy hopefully steps up, makes some shots for him. Yeah, I. It'd be very hard pressed not to see him on Monday night, and it'd be a long waited of revenge for UConn fans against uh, Jim Larinaga there. And what he did, George Mason, to that 06 yeah. UConn team. I know they haven't played in the tournament. Have they ever played? Have they ever played Larinaga since that game? I don't believe so. Wow. And I don't. No, they. Yeah, I think actually, Kobe, uh Charleston Classic, 2018. I think gotcha. it's a third place game. I think gotcha. 18 or gotcha. 17. Yeah, I'm UConn assuming Miami won that game. No, actually, UConn beat him by like twenty, I believe. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, wow. they blew him out. Yeah, wow. actually, I think it was eight. It was eighteen or nineteen. It was a couple years ago. Must have been um, nineteen because eighteen they were absolutely terrible. Yeah, I think it was nineteen. The, yeah, it was the, the Ollie first. days, they weren't beating a team. They were they weren't beating no. a Jim Laranaga coach team when with Ollie's play with with Ollie coach, especially in the late years. I know that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, there, there have been no shots. So yeah, yeah, I believe it was nineteen. They got him. Was um. They played down there, Charles, the classic. Because that was like the first weekend. Bo- yeah, so it had to. Because that was Bogue Knight's first weekend coming off of the suspension. So, yeah, it, that it was – Um, they played Miami that – yeah, so it definitely is 19. They had them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now, and now going back to 2019. In 2019, the summer of 2019, UConn joined the Big East. And uh, the big question is, is has this move helped turn this program around? And I think it has made all the difference for this program. I think this is the reason why they're here. It's the reason why they were able to get guys like Jordan Hawkins, Adamas Sonogo. They were able to recruit a guy like Klingon to stay home and play here. Because Klingon, let me tell you, they're in the Big East. He ain't staying home and playing for UConn. That's for sure. They're able to get guys like Andre Jackson. They're able to get transfers like Aline and Calcaterra. The, if you look at this roster, no, not one single player was on this roster when they were in the American Conference. So I think the Big East made all the difference for Dan Hurley and this team to turn this program around. And now UConn is back where they belong in a Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's definitely helped the brand that they're back in the Big East. You know, again, part of it was, again, I think after Ali kind of won the national championship, I think things kind of thought it was going to be, everything was to be easy to him. And he kind of not grind on the recruiting trail, which again, was a big mistake, as you could tell yeah. from some of those later years. And there's a reason, I think, that's another reason why I think him and Calhoun don't talk. Because Cal, there was no way Calhoun wouldn't yeah. grind in recruiting. No. Yeah, yeah, you know, Calhoun was big on that. Calhoun was, you know, unbelievable um, at identifying his guys. And Hurley and the staff have, you know, with all the transfers that, they, that they've that they been able to pull this year with Hawkins. Um, you know, again, Hurley's, Hurley's one of the best recruiters in the entire country. You know, he's got Kiami Young and Luke Murray, both two very young assistants who both could be very soon head coaches that have done a terrific job as well in the recruiting trail, um, which has obviously helped. So. Yeah, it's really helped big time. I think it's helped kind of it's it's definitely helped because Hurley's a you know really grinds on 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 the ta- on the trail. And um it, it's helped the fan base too out that yeah, we've gone back to this point. It's so much better to play Nova and Providence. You know, again, St. John's now is gonna be good again. We hope Georgetown very soon is gonna be back to having some relevance. Like it's great to play those teams instead of going on a Sunday afternoon, you know. <laughs> on Super Bowl Sunday playing Tulane. Like, they're just not, you know, there's no excitement for that. So, yeah, it's great. It just helps the entire brand of, of UConn. Um, and, yeah, you know, UConn's always been so reliant on that New York, New Jersey border, you know, pipeline. And you can look at the other Big East teams that have left. Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville, Nordine, 
they can't get the New York kids anymore. They just yeah, can't. And it's, and it's outside of Pitt. It's not been the same. And Pitt was struggling too, but when they left the Big East, it's not been the same for any of those teams. Syracuse has yeah. not been the same. Louisville, they're a disaster. They're terrible. And Notre Dame, they're one of, they were in the bottom of the ACC too. It's just not been the same since they left the Big East. No, they, it hasn't. You know, it's just, you know, they, they, uh, you know, all their basketball roots, they trade in for the football money. I <laughs> understand it, but, you know, sometimes it's not the, you know, yeah, it's it's been tough. You know, Andre Jackson was from Albany, you know, like kind of everyone thought, you know, Syracuse lean came and they'll come to UConn, you know, like that's, you know, those guys don't want to play a big uh, AC tournament in Greensboro. They they want to play at the Garden. It, yeah, it's it's been huge. And I think that's also helped UConn on the, on the trail as well. And yeah, it, it's it's been awesome, you know, keeping Klingon home. Um, you know, it's been awesome because he was, he think he, he's even said it before. He was a Michigan fan growing up, like, you know, yeah, he could very easily be, you know, playing out there in Ann Arbor. M- M- Michigan basketball fan. Yeah. He was a Michigan basketball. Wow. Fan yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they were good. when he was, when he was yeah. growing up, they got to two national championship games. I don't blame him. And UConn was, was, was falling apart. Yeah. So yeah, he very easily could be there. If UConn's not back in the big East or not even, you know, if they're not at the level that, that they are right now. So yeah, it's just, it's a testament that's you know again I've been hard on Hurley but it's been a testament to his hard work and you know and I actually heard a story this week about Hurley his first second his first day after the press conference of his inter you know uh, first day here he went to Calhoun's office and he was kind of talking down like man I didn't know how big of a project this was and just very disappointed you know kind of didn't think it would be as much of a challenge that Calhoun kind of told him you're a big baby that, you know, <laughs> leaving some words out and kind of told him this is UConn and you better go win. <laughs> oh, yeah. And when you're hearing that from Calhoun, you yeah. better get to work. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he did. So, you know, testament to him. I've been hard on him at times, but he's done a great job with the roster that I didn't think was really that great coming in. But it, he's done a great job fit, finding his guys, finding the right fit for his system, and it's worked perfectly. And that's why with the portal – the class he's got coming in again. This, this Joel Lenardi already did a bracketology for next year. He has this as the number one overall seat. I don't really wow. I don't like the look of it at the moment. You know, like I, it's way too early for that. But you know, like again, it's right now. It's only get better, and the conference is get better. So yeah, it's it's been awesome to see UConn back where they belong. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to the first game of the of the uh, night in uh, Houston on Saturday, and that's between two teams we never expected to get to the final floor: Florida Atlantic, led by Dusty May, and San Diego State, led by the longtime assistant to Steve Fisher, and the the guy who was probably the, one of the biggest reasons why the Fab Five came into existence, Brian Dutcher. So we got Florida Atlantic and SD and San Diego State. I think this is going to be a really, really close competitive game. But I think the difference in this game is going to be three-point shooting of Florida Atlantic with Martin, with Davis, and with Boyd, and the inside game of Florida Atlantic. I think that's going to be the difference. I think Florida Atlantic is going to score more. I think they could. I, I trust Florida Atlantic more because they could score. They could score more points than San Diego State. I think it's going to be a close competitive game. But I'm going to take FAU to get to the national title game. But Justin. We all know Brian Dutcher was on the bench during those during the during the Fab Five years at Michigan. Can he finally get back to a national championship game? I'm with you. I got the Owls. You know, I, I Jalen Gaffney's revenge game. Hopefully, you know. Um, <laughs> the, oh, that's gonna be interesting. Know. It's gonna yeah, be storylines either way. If it's FAU, it's either the two Florida schools going at it or yep. Jalen yeah, Jalen Gaffney's revenge game. Yeah. So you know. At least, you know, very possible if that happens. There's at least one former UConn guy that only got to raise a banner that night. But, um, 
you know, I and you know, start with San Diego State first again. Remember 2020, that team was you know, 32, I believe they were. That team was a one seed again. Who knows what could have happened that March? That team could have been right there for a final four. Like, it's good to kind of see Brian Dutcher and that team because some of those guys were on that 2020 team that that now they got kind of a shot of redemption for what they could have had in 2020, but the pandemic took away from them. Um, but, you know, San Diego State, they're going to make you play their style. They're going to muck everything up. They're going to bring it down to you. And, again, I feel like – I think I may have said this last week. They're like Tennessee, I feel like. The physicality – they're, a, you know, not as big, but they're they, the similar kind of style. They want to play physical. Um, Alabama just didn't take any advantage of the mid-range sh- opportunities that they gave them. They tried to go get a dunk, and they would get swatted, or they just took a – Yeah, I feel three. like that was a poorly coached game by Nate Oates oh. there. Yeah, that 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 was. Um, he's still what I think being one team that's better than eight seed in the NCAA tournament. So just so, you know, and that was you know that Arizona team when he was still at Buffalo. So um, yeah, again, he got definitely outcoached in that basketball game. And San Diego State's only hold it's holding teams eighteen percent from three this this postseason. You know, in the tournament, like they they've been great at just making you take tough shots. But this a you know Florida Atlantic team. Look, I know people are calling Cinderella, but this ain't a Cinderella team. They were 35 and three. Their metrics tell you that they're a really good basketball team. Yeah, they're I remember no- before the tournament, I asked, who's the sleeper in the East Street? And you immediately said Florida Atlantic. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a good basketball team. You know, like they were in the top 25, the final AP poll of the year. All four of these teams were. So, like, they, you know, this is a good basketball team that this whole team besides Forrest could come back next year. Like, they all could. You know, like this could kind of be like, you know, Butler 2010, 2011, make back-to-back Final Four runs. Totally could be. You know, this, you know, Dusty Mays is a heck of a coach. I don't, you know, Indiana guy. So I think it puts a lot of pressure on Mike Woodson now because, you know, Indiana fans want, you know, would love to have Dusty May now next year. So, look, this full land team, they can knock down some shots. You mentioned it. Um, They just, they got so many options. And I feel like they have the depth too to kind of, because they, because San Diego State just wore down Korean. They just, Korean didn't have the depth. They were just they they were gassed kind of by the final four or five minutes of that basketball game. Um, I think for Atlantic, you know, they've just had guys, you know, Boyd, Martin, you know, Davis, you know, and uh, Golden down low. And I think Golden could kind of hang in there with um, Mensa down low. And I think for Atlantic finds a way to pull this thing out. It's a team that, again, Tennessee and Kansas State, you kind of felt both teams, both those teams were kind of pull away. Florida Atlantic would come down, take a tough shot, and find a way to um, – when the, you know, kind of get back into it. So it's a team that's got a bunch of sophomore juniors, you know, seniors, just some veteran guys. And um, I'm going to take the Owls. It's been a heck of a story for them. It's, you know, in Conference USA, they're 17 and one in the postseason. They're going to get the NIT title because it's North Texas versus UAB, you know, in the NIT championship game. Charlotte won the CBI. So Conference USA is looking for the three-peat in, uh, in, in uh, college basketball. And, all four of those teams, unfortunately, will be in the American next year. So they're all leaving. So good for, I guess, for the American getting four quality teams. But I'll take the Owls. That that run, it's it's been incredible. And I think they play Monday night. Definitely good for the American. They're gonna lose. They lost UConn. They're gonna lose Cincinnati, and they're gonna get these teams. So so definitely good. Definitely good for the for the uh, for the uh, AAC there. But before we get to our national championship pick, the big question is, is seeing that these teams were all in the top twenty-five. Do you think the committee por- did not do a good job seeding some of these teams? Um, UConn, yeah, I thought UConn was more of a three. I like their analytics were really good. They had that one poor stretch, 
you know, I thought they were more of a three. I thought even if they won the Big East tournament, they can maybe get to that two line. My in Fort Atlantic and like the bracket I did, I had them as a six seed. I really did. Like, that's a good – they beat Florida. They did lose Ole Miss, but, like, they were not a nine seed. Memphis wasn't an eight seed. Like, you know, those two teams were really good. Florida Atlantic, it, again, that shows you the committee that, that doesn't watch Florida Atlantic basketball. <laughs> not um, at all. Not at all. No. I What? I think I saw, like, 15 of their regular season games, something <laughs> like that. Wow. I, wow. Loved, I loved watching them. I, I loved watching that team play. I, I watched a ton of them during the regular season. San Diego State – they were very up and down. I thought they looked really good in Maui. I know they had some injury concerns. And then some games, they just could not figure it out scoring-wise, and they kind of struggled. Um, I thought they could have – I thought the five-line was good for them. Miami, I thought, was good on the five-line. The one big one was, yeah, as I mentioned, for Atlantic. I thought they were more of a six-seed. And that's why I don't think they're a Cinderella because, you know, you don't really think a six-seed's a Cinderella story. And that this this team really shouldn't be, you know – this, this, you know, it's a heck of a run they've been on, but like that, it's a good basketball team. Like, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm surprised they've gone all the way here, but like part of me is like, you know, that's just, it's a good basketball team. They just, they just know how to win, ba- they just know how to win games. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we both have Florida Atlantic and UConn in the championship game. Justin, I'll give you, I'll, I'll let you go first. Who, who, between those two, do you think UConn wins that fifth national title against Florida Atlantic on Monday night? Yeah, I think they do. I, I think they find a way. Um, you know, for Atlantic, yeah, they're going to have the guards that could be able to kind of give them a little bit of a challenge, I feel like. You know, defensively, they'll give them some problems. But I think it's a team that, yeah, they again, they knock down their shots early. I think, you know, they'd have a somewhat of a problem maybe trying to slow down Jordan Hawkins. And, um, you know, when you think about it too, like Gaffney, Gaffney's, you know, coming off the bench for him. Like Gaffney wasn't a great player at UConn, you know, like, this UConn team's got a lot of talent. I feel like they should be able to knock them off. Um, you know, Sonogo, you know, it'll be interesting because Florida Lane's got a, you know, obviously a big, good, good, big and golden. But I just think UConn's got too much talent for them. And especially if they somehow blow out Miami. I think the biggest thing is how do they kind of come back down to earth and kind of, you know, not have like, okay, like now we get Florida Atlantic. Like, you know, this thing's kind of, and you just kind of, you know, you, you kind of maybe just, take advantage of them, you know, you, 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 you kind of don't take them seriously enough and maybe they find a way to upset you, but that may be my biggest worry in this one. But look for Lank in that game, we'd be playing with house money. Like there's win or lose, you know, you, 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 you broke major expectations. So that that's kind of the one worry, but yeah, I think UConn will find a way to win a national championship. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I got UConn, uh, I got UConn winning their fifth national title beating Florida Atlantic on Monday night. And uh, I got, and I got Dan Hurley. I, this would be the first title for the Hurley brothers. I mean, I mean, pretty obvious. Cause I don't think any of the Hurley brothers, Bobby's even gotten close to this far, but yeah, I think it'll be the first title for the, for the Hurley brothers and not first national title overall. Cause I know Hurley won two as a, his brother won two as a player, but I think Danny gets his first national title on Monday night. Yeah. I'm with you. And you know, again, I, I think for Danny it'd be great because again, he's been overshadowed his whole life. His father, is gamer, his brother, Seeing, you know, he quit quit basketball at Seen Hall his sophomore junior year because every all Seen Hall fans booed him because they thought he was going to be Bobby. He wasn't like you know he's been overshadowed. So yeah, it, it'd be really cool for him to kind of be able to kind of host that that that, that title. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be great for him. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I think you know he's uh you know the 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 basketball royalty family, and I think he he uh, 
gets gets a national championship on uh, hopefully on Monday night. Yeah, let's just let's hope he does, and it should be interesting to see what happens in the Final Four. But we are going to shift our attention over to the NBA, and tonight Kevin Durant is back for the Suns. He's back there. They face the Timberwolves tonight. Uh, and I think this is very important that he's going to play in these last seven games. I think it's very important for this Suns team is going to play in these last seven games because they could they could work out their chemistry they could work out their chemistry issues before they get to the playoffs. And I think this just really helps them in terms in terms of the postseason. They want to work out something. This is the time to work out these chemistry issues because it looks like they'll be like the four or five seed. As, but because there's no way they're going to be able, I know I don't give even if they run the table, I think there's no way they get up to the three seed. There's no way they get up. There's no way they get up to the, your Kings or the Grizzlies. So I think this is very, very this is a very important time for the Suns to get this chemistry going uh, before the postseason. Because I think if this team is playing well in these last couple of games going into the playoffs, I think there's a very, very good chance this Suns team is going to get to the finals. Because just look at the team: Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. I think if this team is playing well going into the postseason, I think it's really, really, really good. It's really, really going to help them going. Go, is playing well at the end of the regular season? It's really, really going to help them going into the postseason. Yeah, it's absolutely will. You know, I'm with you. I think they'll be on the four or five line. I don't want them as a six seed. I, I, I don't. Oh, you're I don't want you're to done. You're going to get your teams yeah, get swept yeah. if they got to play them in the first round. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that team um, knocking them off. So yeah, I hope they stay at that four line. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the chemistry is going to help. Big time, you know, and just for KD to kind of get back and just kind of play a couple games is going to be huge for him. Um, you know, just to hopefully get him in rhythm going into the postseason. So, yeah, you know, with Booker, Paul, Durant, you know, Aiton, they still got like, yeah, that that team, that team is definitely the uh, favorite going into the playoffs. That's a dangerous team. And if it, yeah, if it all can con- kind of come together here the next kind of week and a half before the season ends. Um, yeah, the Suns are, are going to be looking in really good shape. And I feel bad for the Nuggets. All they worked for to get that one seed, and you may have to play KD in the second round. Yeah, it's going to be a lot a lot of pressure on both players. Say the Suns play the Nuggets in that second round, a lot of pressure on KD, and there's going to be a ton of pressure on Jokic, a ton of pressure on both those two guys in that second round if they play each other. Yeah, they absolutely would. You know, Joker looking like he may get a search rate MVP. And yeah, you know, like this is in another incredible year. But yeah, there's there'd be a ton of pressure for that Nuggets team to finally break through. And yeah, it, you know, for Durant, yeah, as well, a ton of pressure for him to kind of get another title because everybody kind of knows the story with, you know, Golds of State and what happened in Brooklyn. So yeah, there'd be a lot of pressure on those two big superstars. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So going from one superstar to another, LeBron James came back for the Lakers on Sunday. They lost to the uh, to the Bulls, one eighteen to one hundred eight. They play the Bulls again tonight in Chicago. And looking at and the big question for the Lakers is is can they avoid the play in tournament with LeBron James back? And for me, looking at their schedule, you know, in Chicago, in Minnesota, that's going to be a tough one. In Houston, they should win. In uh, in Utah, they should win. Clippers, that's going to be tough. Phoenix, I think they go four and three in their last seven games. And I think, I don't think, I, I, I don't, I don't think they avoid the playing tournament. I think they got to play in the playing tournament again. This would be this for them. It would be the third, the third consecutive, no, not the third. Yeah, it would yeah, uh, be third. Yeah. No, the yeah, third time they in, were in the playing. Third yeah. time in four years they'd be in the playing tournament because they missed it last yeah, year. Yeah, they oh yeah, they did miss it. And they yeah. were no, it'd be the sec, second time and second time in three years they were in the playing tournament because they missed it last. They missed it last year. They uh they played in it two years ago against the Warriors and they won one. So yes, this would be the second time in three years they'd be in the playing tournament. And I, I don't think they're gonna be able to avoid it because of the schedule they have, but it does help LeBron. It does help them with LeBron back because I think they're definitely going to get into the playing tournament. Yeah, you know, they're gonna get in. You know, they've been they 
played pretty well without him. I was very surprised to see. I know Austin Reeds has really stepped up for him. Yeah, you know, I think it's to be a little bit too tough for him to get over that hump to the sixth seed. Um, I would love to see the Lakers as the sixth seed. I would love to knock them off in the first round because I know, I know, I know before LeBron got hurt, they were eyeing the sixth seed because they're like, you know, we're going to knock off the Kings and that's the match that they wanted. So part of me really wants to see that and just, you know, because we played well against Lakers this year and I don't, you know, but um, I just think it'll be too, yeah, I just think it may be a little, they're right there, but the Warriors are kind of starting to play well. Um, you know, I just think it'll be, you got to pass, you know, the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they'll be able to do that because I'm with you. I think they go four and three or three and four and I, that's not going to be enough to pass them. So yeah, I'm with you. They're probably going to be stuck in the play on tournament, but they'll be in it. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Now our last NBA topic is about the team that is completely struggling. I know they won on Monday night, but they have really been struggling. That's the Mavericks. And the big question is right now they're tied with Oklahoma city for that last spot in the play in tournament. Who would have thought it after they made this acquisition? But who is to blame the most for the Mavs' struggles? And I'm definitely saying, I think it's pretty obvious. I know people are going to try to defend him and everything, but I think it's pretty obvious. It's Kyrie Irving. It's Kyrie Irving because he came there to make that team a title contender. The biggest issue with Luka over the last two years is, oh, he didn't have that good of a number two. He didn't have that good of a number two. They traded for Kyrie Irving to be that number two, and he has failed to be that. He is, They are four and eight playing together, Luka and Kyrie, four and eight. And I'm sorry, I know people want to blame Luka. Luka has carried that team for the last two years. He's one of the top players in the sport. You look at Kyrie Irving's history, it, ever since he's left LeBron. I mean, in, in Boston, he held Tatum and Jalen Brown back. We all know what happened with the Nets, that, that disaster in Brooklyn. And, and then here, it, it, it's been an absolute mess for Kyrie ever since he wanted to leave LeBron. And that has continued. I don't people want to make excuses for him, blame Cuban, blame the GM, blame Luka. No. For me, Kyrie Irving is to the is to blame for these math struggles. Yeah, Kyrie is, you know, uh, and you know, I think yeah, for majority of it, it's Kyrie. I'd put a little bit on Luca, like his comments, like yeah, basketball's not fun anymore. Now I think that's probably yeah, but, but why is it not Kyrie. fun? Because yeah, you're playing Kyrie. with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, that and then the maturity stuff is screaming at the refs too. Like that's got to stop a little bit too. Like that's kind of getting a little bit too much. Like he's 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 a whiner, and again, it's that's not good either. Like so, I, a little bit. And then yeah, they, there's no depth either on this team. There's zero depth outside of Luca and, and Kyrie Irving. Like there's just not like they're really missing Jalen Brunson. And obviously, you're a Nick fan. You've seen the impact that Jalen Brunson's had Absolutely. on that on Absolutely. that Nick team. Yep, they've really missed him. Um this year as well so but yeah majority of it's on Kyrie you know and again yeah it's not shocking I didn't think these those two would get get along it just it does it that just seems like an oil and vinegar type or water and vinegar you know whatever that saying is it just did that mix it that that it just didn't seem like that would be a good fit for him and it and it hasn't yeah this team has absolutely imploded lately again I remember watching their first game together with playing the Kings it's like they're offensively those two just they couldn't do anything wrong. And I'm like, man, it's, you know, they, they may be a challenge, but after that, they just, they, they really have not played well whatsoever. And, you know, yeah. How do you lose back-to-back games with Charlotte Hornets? That's, the, the that's Charlotte, inexcusable. The, yeah. That is flat out inexcusable. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think this team's making the play in. I just, you know, they, they, it's, you know, you got the six tonight on the road. You got the heat who are still battling. You got the Hawks who are battling. Then you end with the Kings, you know, yeah, they could probably beat the Kings. Bulls at home and Spurs at home, you'd think, would be a win. Maybe they get in there, but I just don't see it. I just, I, 
I'm like, wasn't it what one night was it? Lucas is like, I'm not having fun anymore. Or, you know, Friday I don't night it was Friday. Me. Yeah, like again, I don't see this team. I don't like if if Luca, yeah, just doesn't seem like they're into it right now, and I don't think that's a recipe for uh, trying to get back into this thing. They're not, and, and you talked about the fit. You know, two ball dominant players like Kyrie and Luca. But the but the thing is, is it's up to Kyrie to adjust his game to make the team to make the team better. And he and this and this has happened throughout the last six years of his career. He clearly didn't want to do that. That's why I put all the I put the blame on him because Luca is a better player than you. He means more to the t- that team than you. You came in to be the to, to be you know when we say Batman and Robin. You came in to be the Robin, not Batman. You became you, you're the number two guy. You just like you were when you played with LeBron James. You're the number two. You you follow what Luca wants you to do. Don't not play your own game. The problem is you've been playing too much of his own game, and that's why this thing has failed. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, the ball dominant point it just yeah those those two just don't and yeah and that's probably that's Kyrie's problem it's his ego he's got to feed his ego and he just he just he ain't giving up again I'm not the biggest LeBron fan in the world but again saying that you did not enjoy playing with LeBron is the biggest mistake you could have made in your career how do you not enjoy playing with LeBron I, that's impossible I yeah I just I, I I don't know and I just from right there on, you just hell like he's not going to be able to get along with a lot of these guys he's just not and he, he hasn't yep. and Durant, I've said it many times, biggest mistake he ever made was teaming up with Kyrie Irving. I don't know what went into his mind about that. I think I know they were friends beforehand, but man, that just that was a big mistake on his part. And yeah, Kyrie just hasn't worked out here. Not really surprised and be a long offseason for Mavs fans. Uh, I know there was some excitement when they got Kyrie Irving, but yeah, it's just this ain't it that 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 relationship just it ain't working. I don't think it's turning around anytime soon. Yeah, and for Durant, it wasted three years of his life. It wasted three years of his life teaming up with Kyrie Irving, and he fi- and he finally realized this, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Yeah. Let, let me get out. Let me get out of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. It was three years way too late, and yeah, it it's definitely we talked about it. Definitely, I think tarnished his career a little bit, and you know, unfortunate. But that's what happens when you play with Kyrie Irving and you let him kind of do whatever he wants to, and that's exactly. kind of what he's doing, Dallas. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. So we're gonna wrap up talking about. One of the biggest women's basketball games, I'm not going to say this year, I think this is one of the biggest women's basketball games in a really, really long time on Friday night. I think this is one of the biggest women's basketball games since UConn and Tennessee played against each other. That's how huge this is because you got right now the best team over the last three years. You got the best team in college basketball in South Carolina. I mean, probably since 2017 because UConn hasn't won a title since 2016. So really since 2017, this has been the best team in college basketball facing one of the greatest players I think I've seen in college basketball since Brianna Stewart, or you can, you can even go further back, maybe even Sue Bird or my, or Maya Moore. Caitlin Clark is absolutely amazing. She honestly, she might be one of the best women's basketball players I've ever seen. A forty-point triple-double against Louisville, and you saw the numbers, uh, the the, uh, the rate, the ratings for the game yeah. against Mer- against the uh, Louisville, uh, Indiana, Louisville on Louisville. Uh, on uh, on uh, on Sunday night. Sun- that yeah, got high. Sunday. That was a, that, that game got yeah. higher ratings than any NBA game. I'm telling you, this is a humongous women's basketball game on Friday night, and I think this is going to be a really, really good a good game. But I I got to take the better team in South Carolina. I can't go against Don Staley. They've been the best team since 20, 2017. but. Caitlin Clark's not going to go out, go down without a fight. And I think she's going to have a bit, I think they're going to contain her a little bit, but I think she's going to have a really good game. I think the game's going to be, you know, within single digits, but I do think South Carolina is going to return back to the national championship game. But this is the most excited I've been to watch a women's basketball game in over 15 years. Yeah. It's been a while, especially yeah, outside of kind of UConn 
women's, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, that's like you kind of really elevated, I think, women's basketball just for what they've done. You know, like it brought a lot more parity to the sport, which has been great. And yeah, this matchup should be a really good one. Yeah, Kaylin Carr, she just, you know, she kind of she makes her whole team better around her again. Yeah, with the 10 rebounds, she still leads the country in assists. She's better. She's been a little bit better, I feel like, efficiency wise this year than she has maybe her first couple of years. But yeah, she can just impact the games in so many different ways. And yeah, I just, you know, I think South, but yeah, she's incredible. She's one of the better, yeah, women's basketball players you've seen in a while. Sabrina Inescu was up there too, but yeah, like with Brianna. Yeah, she would have won a title if it wasn't for the yeah. COVID year. Yeah, definitely. I think she would have, uh, you know, too. Um, but yeah, there, there's been a lot of good ones over the years. And yeah, she's, Kaylin Carr's definitely been kind of the next great, next really good one. Um, she's really fun to watch. And yeah, I think South Carolina is a little bit better than them. Like, I, Iowa women's basketball is like their men's team. Like, they're really good offensively, but they just can't get any stops. And exactly. again, yep. I, yeah, I think Aaliyah Boston will just, I think we'll have a field day down low. And yeah, hopefully this is a good close game. But yeah, it was great to see the ratings. Yeah, it got 2.5 million. Like, you know, that, that's great for women's college basketball. Um, good for the sport. But yeah, I just think South Carolina's got a little bit too much talent for, um, for the Hawkeyes. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. But it should be a very, very exciting it should be a very very exciting game on friday night but that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of sports talk with rnj but we're gonna be back in about five minutes doing our major league baseball season preview so make sure you turn it so make sure you tune in for that jones on first down wide open it's barkley and saquon barkley will take it into the end zone your best ability is availability saquon barkley he's great when he's on the field but the problem is since 2018 he hasn't been healthy for this team Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Finch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.